I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything School HQ. Uh, Big week here on Rocky Top, got graduation, it's folks hearing this a day out, Um, so very cool there to be in TBA uh, on that front. I kind of wish it was uh, at... uh, uh, at Neyland, but it's going to be really cold Friday and Saturday, so I'm actually kind of glad because it's going to be a long ceremony, and I kind of don't want to freeze to death outside uh, in Neyland. So it worked out in that way, but uh, fun, fun times here on Rocky Top. Chase Dolander uh, coming out preseason MLB Pipeline, number one pick uh, for the 2023 Major League Baseball draft. So like we've always said in this podcast, uh, all things coming up Chase in Tennessee. Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, Chase Thomas, it doesn't matter. Chase is in Tennessee are a net <laughs> positive at all times. Matt Green, how are things down in Character Issues USA, sir? Character Issues USA. Oh, man. Todd McShay. <laughs> we just going to get into that? Like, Todd McShay, you're one of the, the biggest... Uh, draft experts there is just out of the blue saying jalen carter with character issues never heard never heard a a peep of jalen carter with any sort of character issues if anything Mm. the character it took to pick a grown man up like he did (laughs) and just not slam him down like his instinct would tell him to do he's that that showed all kinds of self-control but i don't really know like maybe he like you know I'm not going to vouch for Jalen Carter. I don't know him as a person, you know, like maybe, maybe some of this is true and he knows people at, at, at a certain level, but it, just looking from an outside perspective, it's like, he's a guy that was like splitting a lot of snaps, like for the last two years on like a loaded defensive line, like he was arguably the best defensive lineman on that team from day one. And it's like, you didn't hear anything about him complaining about playing time or like Jermaine, um, Jermaine Johnson. Like he was splitting reps too at outside linebacker. He, he, he went to the portal. He went to Florida state somewhere he could play end up being a first round pick. It's like Jalen Carter could have done something like that if he wanted to get quicker playing time or something. But so I don't know. I don't know where it comes from like at all. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I will say it's always weird to me, and this is like if it's a Tennessee thing or Georgia fan thing. It's this is something that sports fans do that's really strange. And I, 
um pushback against this and i always have is just like you don't know these guys personally you might know some like if you're fortunate enough to like grow up with one of these guys or you just become friendly over the years covering them and you kind of get to know them better if they go into media after or something like there are instances where athletes you could like we can get to know athletes on a more personal and uh level and you have a better feel for them but like you don't know Jalen Carter. So just to see the Georgia fans like immediately jump out, and it's just the same when Tennessee fans, if anyone were to attack um, any Cedric Tillman for anything, it's like, I mean, I haven't heard anything. Uh, that would surprise me. But like, I don't know. I don't know Cedric Tillman personally. And Georgia fans don't know Jalen Carter personally. But it's always funny to see when that stuff gets out. Immediately, all the fans are like, what is this crap? He's this, this, and this. And it's like, you live in Waycross, Georgia and what like what what are you talking about you never met the guy like you don't know no, what's that's going fair on. but there are some things that are like public you know like thing guys can you know smoke some weed or they can that's steal a, a laptop issue. they can but i'm just saying there can i i don't think that that's a character issue but i'm just saying yeah. there can be whatever you can certain people consider that a red flag you know yeah i don't but some people could you know it's just it's is it's a data point, you know, but I, so just as far as that goes from a fan perspective of people who are super dialed in, there really hasn't been like one word about Jalen Carter. And I have seen multiple Georgia players going to Twitter too, like just talking like, how is he in the locker room? He He's awesome and whatever, vouching for his character. But yeah, it's, you're definitely right. Like in general, like it was like Roddy White when all the Deshaun Watson stuff was coming out and Roddy White's just going off at the mouth of, oh, you can't yada yada. It's like, you don't know this man, yeah. dude. Like, you don't know what he did in private. Like, don't put your reputation on the yeah. line with him. Uh, but, yeah, it's – I Jalen Carter, to me, he's the best play, non-quarterback, going, maybe the best player in general going to the draft next year, but definitely the best non-quarterback in my opinion. So, I don't know. It feels like a, a fake story for someone who wants him to slide to four or five <laughs> overall in the draft or something. But, you know, who knows? I'm more interested in who told him, like where it came, where it came from. Like that interests me more than anything else. Of just like, did that come from a coach, a staffer? Also, I me too. But you heard the 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 clip, right? Mm-mm. Where he's like, so he's talking about, it and he's like, and you know, and Pete Carroll's a guy who's got like a good track record of taking some guys who might be questionable character. So at two overall, that makes sense. So it's like. Well, if he even go, if he goes second overall, then is is it this even a story? Like, what mm. are we even talking about? Oh, this is just Pete Carroll. Just he's just a great human that took a chance on a on a troubled <laughs> kid. It's like, what are we even talking about? He, he goes second overall, then yeah, that's probably where he would have gone to begin with. You didn't have to throw his character out there to everybody five months before the draft. Yeah. Um, but I just say people get latched onto these guys and they think they know them because they spend time watching their games. So they'll watch interviews and stuff like that. And they're like, I know who that guy is. It's like, you don't like you watch Jeremy Murray throw a lot of football passes with <laughs> George over the years. He started for four years. It feels like you knew him because he was around for so long, but you, you don't know him. Um, Matt Green. Yeah, I know Aaron Murray. All right. Yeah, I you saw do. Him, I saw him, so, throw, saw him throw a lot of footballs. All right. You know, we, mm-hmm. we connected from that. Exactly. Um, Gave his heart and soul to that university. I will say, like, I um, I was on campus walking around with my wife on Saturday afternoon. And uh, it was funny because I saw the three Tennessee recruits who were uh, on officials that weekend. Uh, they walked by us. <laughs> and I, I look at my I'm like, 
I can't really say anything when I do this. I'm just like, I don't, I have nothing to say. Like I've seen Sakai Ziegler on campus like 17 times, but like I did a couple awkward waves the first couple and then he liked it. It was like, I don't know you. And it was like, what am I doing? Why am I waving at this guy? Like he doesn't know me. And I don't know him. I'm like, well, what are we doing? Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Hey, there you are. Do I know you? <laughs> no, but that's where you are. You're there. Um, I think you give it, I, my thing has always been like a, I give it a go dogs. You know, mm. it's like, I know who you are. Not going to yeah. be a groupie, but you know, go dogs. So I feel <laughs> I like I that's could. always go dogs, go dogs. Go like saw Heinz Ward, like uh, yeah. golfing one time, like, Saw Brian McClendon at the grocery store on time. It's like, hey, I, I know who you are. Yeah. Um, you're that guy who coaches bad offenses. Um, How dare you? Hey, there's some great wide receivers, all right? Do you see that new South Carolina hire? Dal Legains? I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Dal Logans? I saw the Shane Beamer clip of yeah. uh, really, really defending it very strongly for about two minutes. I'm, I mean, for me, it's a dream come true. Uh, it did not go well for him uh, in Chicago. Uh, not a lot of positive stops there uh, in the NFL for, for Dow. So we'll see. Don't know him personally, but the offenses were not great. And if you just ask some Bears fans or Titans fans about the, the Dow experience, not great. But, you know, I, South Carolina, they want, hey, he might have figured it out by November of next year. That's when South Carolina season starts. People forget that. South Carolina <laughs> is college football's November team. That's very true. Uh, I might get a second coach of the year uh, next year in 2023, but uh, I don't know if it's Shakespeare, but um, it, the the doth protest too much, I think, is the uh, the expression. That's how it felt. Uh, mm. Shane Beamer, like just going off the media. I bet you didn't know that. Did you know he had four four other SEC teams already contacted this guy? I bet you didn't know that. Did you know he worked? I, I was like, bro. If it's a good hire, just just say we think it's a good hire, and you know results will will speak for themselves. Like it was just a little too defensive. Mm. Um, I don't know. You'll you'll have to see the clip, but it was uh, a little insecure. It was a little cringe. Yeah. Um, some might say that's been the entire two year experience uh, to this point. Just <laughs> They're a little eight and four right now. You can't talk shit about South Carolina going eight and four. That's a good season. Ten and two. Tennessee's got the number nine class. They're not right now. Tennessee. Why are we putting? Is that is that where Tennessee's at, or is Tennessee compared to South Carolina? No, we're just because of the coach, coach of the year stuff. This all stems from how it started and them getting co-coach of the year when Spur, the, uh, when Spurrier, when Beamer got just skull crushed in Knoxville, Tennessee, and they still. It's like Hypo won coach of the year this year from yeah. some some AP. outlets, you know, and Georgia crushed them, right? So it's they, like well, this... they didn't crush them. Hold on, no, Georgia crushed South Carolina. Jordan didn't Georgia crush. didn't crush Tennessee. No, I can show okay. you the scoreboard. Um, mm. we, can, we can go back through, and also the okay. difference that was in South Carolina. Y'all were home. Y'all were at home. Oh, I mean, it game. was definitely a worse beatdown they put on. It the, was on the, the loudest cut. atmosphere, but maybe I'm just in college saying, football like losing one game head to head isn't doesn't determine the coach no. of the year. Cause I mean, like for this reason right here, that's why, that's why Tennessee is on a different level than South Carolina is because they just had a good season at eight and four. Like that's Tennessee would have been fine with Josh Heupel if they went eight and four this year. Like it's like, it was a pretty tough schedule. It, there just would not be this, there would not be a just excitement around the program. Like they're like the next team to potentially become a powerhouse, kind of like this hype that's around them. But it would have been like, you know, they went seven and were they seven and five lose the bowl game? Who seven and La six? Are you talking about Tennessee, Tennessee last year? Tennessee last year seven and six. Yeah, 
seven so and five. Seven and five year followed up with an eight and four. It's like really you won know, the ball game. I don't know if you saw that spot in that. Yeah, ending. they did. But it's like that was it would, just, it would be progression. There would be nothing excitement. There it would they wouldn't be this like sexy team like with potential Heisman finalists and everything. But it would still be, have been a successful season. But it's not the this this why they're two different programs is because. Tennessee can can go from where they were to an actual contender much quicker than someone like South Carolina. But Do I don't know how we there? got off on that on that tangent. I have a gift for pivoting this back to Tennessee and South Carolina Macri. <laughs> um, Blitnikoff winner Jalen Hyatt declares for the draft uh, this week. Um, so he's gone. Cedric Tillman's gone. But that's really good for Tennessee because they need to get these guys in the NFL. And it just it does so much for recruiting. I mean, you're seeing it at Georgia where you put so many guys in the draft. Like, it just recruits itself. Like, guys want to get to the league. The five and four stars want to get to the league. And you have to start putting these these names in the league. And Tennessee had not been doing that uh, to the extent they obviously had their blips with, like, the Alvin Kamaras and Derek Barnett's and uh, Eric Berry's years ago. But you need to have a lot more in a row. And Jalen Hyatt looks like he's going to be a first rounder. Cedric Tillman's probably late first, second. Um, just getting two wide receivers right like that early is just huge for this program because you need to have those guys in the league. You want to do – have you seen that wall at Bama where they just have all these different NFL jerseys for their guys and NFL helmets? Oh, yeah. And just, yeah, you just go sick. in. Yeah, that's – that's what you got to do. That's the reason Alabama is number one. Uh, Oak Hill this... had Oak Hill started that though back in the day. It's cold though. It's such a good flex, and it just it you know it pops for every kid who walks in the door. And but Georgia's you know got pop like for? the running ticker yeah. of like the amount of money Georgia alumni have made in the NFL. It's like all kinds of facts about like. Wait, do they have stuff. that? Yeah, like they they definitely flex on like how much money their player because I mean they got. This is some huge contract. I think Justin Houston at the time yeah. was the biggest defense uh, linebacker contract of all time, I think. Hmm. Like when he signed that with was probably with Kansas City then. It had to be Kansas City, yeah. Um and Stafford got like so much money. Like he was like the last him and Bradford, like the last rookie quarterbacks that got yeah. in before they started capping those rookie contracts. But but yeah, they 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 definitely because I mean, putting guys in the first round, first, second round picks, like that's that's as selling your program just as good as as a New Year's Six Bowl, like probably better than New Year's Six Bowls. Like it's just as good as the better, championships, yeah. you know. Yeah, but it also doesn't work on everybody. Arian Carter, four star linebacker, commit number twenty five in this top ten class for Tennessee, um, which has been extremely defensive heavy. Two four seven Sports, um, different uh, outlets and different experts, but Elliot and company. I was reading their thoughts on him because it's like I'm not grinding Smyrna tape over here smyrna bulldogs tape but uh arian started the year as a running back commit for memphis and then finished the year as a four-star recruit that tennessee and alabama were battling to be their full-time middle linebacker they think he's gonna be on the field sooner rather than later this class has jeremiah t lander the gainesville linebacker who went off um in that state title game for gainesville where they came up just short in the 6a title game against um langston hughes on uh friday night and then you have jalen smith from grayson um, who's also in this class. So very, very stacked class. But I saw it was Jack Luttrell, Jane Damian Bradley, who's the number one edge. So you get Caleb Herring. You get up and down the list, Sylvester Smith, Jordan Matthews, the five, uh, five-star five corner from Baton Rouge, is enrolled. So they're all at bowl practice. Nico arrived today. This class mixed with uh, the guys going pro and just the upside here, and they're all going to be able to go through bowl practice in Miami um, and everything. It's just uh, 
nice little bow for Aaron Carter to pick Tennessee over Alabama. Like Tennessee won uh, another big recruiting war against uh, Alabama or Georgia. It's just, it's nice to see. Nature is healing, Matt Green. I'm not sure how many battles they've won over Alabama and Georgia in this so, specific cycle because Alabama David and Georgia Hobbs, we are, beat Georgia for we are beat. really cleaning up in this. I don't think anyone's catching Alabama in this. No, they're not yeah. catching Alabama. Alabama's one. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be fine. Because um, right now it's Bama one, UGA two, uh, Notre Dame three, Texas four, Ohio State five, Oklahoma six, Miami seven. LSU eight, Tennessee nine, Florida ten. Okay, so yeah, we're about a week till till signing day. So things should be interesting, even though it's idiotic that we're putting signing day right here in, in the middle of all this. I don't know if you heard Josh Pate. I think Josh Pate's been listening to, to the show. Honestly, did you hear his? De- you know his what's rant funny about, about December? I was like, I feel like th- I feel like I said this exact thing. Same this thing. was it's so funny that you bring this up because i was listening to that on because i think he did that on the sunday show right because i listened to it on monday morning uh as i was walking around and uh when he was doing that segment i literally had jotted it down and like my other notes to be like oh bring up to matt that's a potential pod ta- podcast topic because like matt has spent so much time and us have spent so much time on this that he just spent a lot of time talking about how it doesn't make sense and it's created by uh, people that out, don't actually coach or deal with the football program. They're crafting these calendars that don't make sense. When it's just like, why are coaches having to pick between taking a new job or coaching their team in conference title games? Why are we, um, why, why is the schedule this way? I'm not sure I'm agreeing with the early signing day being before the season starts. Like that's early, man. I don't know if you're going to be able to pull that. No, I definitely agree with that one because that's truly early. Like that's yeah. what college basketball has done for years. Like guys will mm-hmm. actually sign before their senior year in high school. And then yeah. it's like if you're that's a truly like I'm done with the recruiting process. Right. Like let me sign my letter of intent. School stop recruiting me. Like I don't you know, just that let would me enjoy be my it. senior so year. The December thing was just like, oh, we're just gonna fast forward the whole <laughs> process, like two months. It was like, wait, well, that doesn't really make any sense at all. Like certain programs like like a Georgia who actually had an established coach in 2018 when this first uh, early signing day happened, like anyone who hasn't had to hire a coach from 2018 and on has just, I think it's really benefited their recruiting because every team is just, you, you get that new coach and then you, now you're starting to punt. Now you got the portal. So you're just going to try just punt this first class altogether and then try to hit the portal and then try to maybe next year get your first good class. It's like, it's just, and, and, and Josh Pate brought up another good point that I really didn't even think about either. Like everyone is at their job right now understands what work is like. It's like, it's basically Christmas for like three weeks. It's like, no one's, no one's really working. Like everyone's just chilling, taking it easy. It's like, you got Christmas right in there uh, among all this just madness on the having to recruit and prep for bowl games and, and all this it's and take new jobs. It's just, it's just craziness. Yeah. If we just, if we had it in August, July, like he said before the season and then another one in March where you could start to get NFL, uh, NFL coaching spots fill up and then trickle down to college and everything, it would just be, Coaches wouldn't all have to be like 
just shady in some way yeah. you know it's like well you just recruited me you said you you were to be here the next three or four years and now you're at the dallas cowboys so what's that about like so it just it would make it so much cleaner like brian kelly like brian kelly cincinnati playing in the sugar bowl mm-hmm. this wasn't even an early signing day thing but cincinnati playing in the sugar bowl uh against florida like that's the biggest game in cincinnati history and guy just bounces like head coach just not going to coach the the biggest game in school history and he honestly couldn't because he needed mm-hmm. to get started on his new job but i don't know you, you put coaches in a really bad position i feel like they should push the thing back and and like luke fickle last year like what are the odds that luke fickle was interested in, in going to maybe notre dame or mm-hmm. another big time job last year and I mean, he, you couldn't justify that. Your Cincinnati's actually in the playoff has a chance to win the national championship. And, you know, now he's at Wisconsin a year later. But I don't know. It just it, it throws off the whole calendar. Um, I don't even know how we got off on that, too. But uh, <laughs> I, I can obviously I can talk about that forever. Absolutely. Maybe that's another uh, just a, a main theme pod uh, in the future, Matt Green, during this offseason. Um, Travion Henderson, uh, star, uh, former five-star running back from the Buckeyes, will not be playing in the college football playoff. He was ruled out with his foot still ailing him. So um, we'll see if it's a heavy dose of Hayden uh, in this in this game against Tennessee. Um, no Jackson Smith, or excuse me, against uh, University of Georgia. Um, no Jackson Smith and Jigba, as we already know. Um, any big uh, question marks for georgia on the injury front is there any big names that you're worried about are not going to play to this point because we know a couple now with ohio state or is there anybody out that could be a problem for georgia uh for georgia I'm, i don't really think so like i haven't really heard anything about lad mcconkey like he left the sec championship right there like right before the half but um you know nolan smith obviously out for the season since mm-hmm. mid-october but yeah i think this is big i think one of the things for Ohio State, I think, to be able to beat Georgia is they need, you know, some of these individual playmakers to be able to win some some one-on-one matchups. So the hope of Jackson Smith and Jigba coming back, that was always kind of slim to me because it's like, well, clearly this is like a lingering injury. Mm-hmm. Like it's been around all year. Like the Michigan game was a big game. Like if he was going to come back, like that was a game to come back. So right. I wouldn't... You know, you basically haven't had him all year. Travion Henderson's obviously had some injuries, but um, for him to already be ruled out, that that's big. So, you know, Ohio State's been productive just about whoever they've put back there, but that that, that could be big. For sure. Uh, Mike Leach uh, unfortunately passed away this week at 61 years old. Um just unbelievable to read all the different pieces from all the different people he touched and it was funny to go back and like watch all the different clips like him just popping into friday night lights i just forgot that he was in one of those scenes with coach taylor and uh just gave great advice and there was one moment um that i forgot who point who posted it but like hypel and leach uh before leach took the texas tech job um he when he was at office coordinator and under bob stoops at oklahoma and the day before he took the Texas Tech job, he's like seen on the video telling Hypel the news and just getting really emotional. And you can tell he just really cared. And I mean, he he was just uh, a big, big deal. His offense changed a lot of programs, changed the sport in a multitude of ways and um, never won a national title. But he was just, yeah, obviously, I think the most 
memorable game for him is still beating Texas. It's funny. I remember where I was when the when Crabtree scored his touchdown um, late to beat the Horns in Lubbock, but uh, he he was he was his own dude. I love the video of him blowing on the coffee uh, during that uh, press conference for the bowl game against uh, Michigan State when he was at Wazoo. Like Mark D'Antonio is just up there speaking and he's pushed to the side sitting down just like blowing trying to cool off his coffee so he can take a sip um the guy i can appreciate just kind of lived in his own world and just did his own thing and didn't care what other people thought and just that was mike leach he was doing mike leach things and um clearly had a big impact on all kinds of people that uh, knew him and knew him well and 61's just too young and it's just it's just sad um and you feel terrible for the Mississippi State football program, they move quick. Uh, Zach Garnett is officially their head coach, took the interim tag off, so he's going to get the full opportunity to lead this program going forward. But, um, man, I just I cannot imagine what that staff and what that uh, university and family is going through right now because it was quick. And, oof, uh, I don't know. I think Leach, the most interesting thing like on the field for him, because I didn't know him personally, is just that like he's at Wazoo. He was at Texas Tech, and he was at Mississippi State. Three universities I don't think can ever win the title, and he's just one of those guys I wondered forever. Like, he almost became the Tennessee coach a couple of years ago. And, like, what he would have been like at one of the – like, at Auburn or something, or even Alabama. <laughs> Instead of the Shula years, you have Mike Leach or um, just what – Leach's offenses and what his teams would have done in like a top five, top 10 football budget university. If that uh, would have led to a title or something, it's always uh, interesting. What if, cause the man could coach and he won wherever he went, whether it was Texas tech, Wazoo or Mississippi state. Um, he hired well, developed well, and he stuck to his scheme and uh, he was a, he's a great, great coach and he will be missed by so many people. Yeah, without a doubt. Mike Leach, uh, he definitely changed He changed the sport. Like, he maybe changed football altogether. Like, I, honestly, his air raid style, like, it really, it completely changed college football. Um, from his days at Kentucky, I mean, even going further back to Valdosta State before Kentucky. But, but yeah, if you go back, his, uh, his 24 years as a offensive coordinator or head coach, uh, his team's uh, had a top 10 passing offense in 22 of those 24 years. They had a top three passing offense in 17 of those years, and they were the number one passing offense in the country 10 of the 24 years where he was OC uh, or or head coach. So he was just the, the passing offenses that they had, like you said, Texas, Texas Tech, uh, 2008, I want to say. That's one of the greatest games, like, ever like there's one of the there's there's always i mean there's probably there's probably 50 of the games you said that about now at this point in your life but just you know you're sitting around with a group of friends or something and the game finishes you're like that's one of the greatest games i've ever seen like that's definitely definitely had that reaction to that texas tech to that crabtree touchdown catch but yeah man mike leach he was one of a kind it's it's only fitting that this bowl game they're playing in tampa bay with there's a pirate ship in the end zone so yeah, Mike Leach, it's a super sad uh, RIP for sure. Um, in terms of the transfer portal, which is going crazy, I saw that Grayson McCall was visiting Auburn uh, this week, which 
Um, he's in the portal, obviously, because his coach, Jamie Chadwell, departs to Liberty. Um, man, Grace McCall at Auburn with Hugh Freeze in that offense would be very interesting. Also, I don't know what that means for Robbie Ashford, but um, I don't think we saw enough from Robbie last year to be like, this is our guy. We got we to gotta stick with Robbie going forward. But um, Grace McCall there would be quite quite interesting um if i'm an auburn fan i think they hired phil montgomery uh the recently fired to uh tulsa head coach who's there for a long time as their new oc so looking at hugh freeze's staff to this point pretty pretty strong opening staff uh colorado with um dion has a really really strong staff as well but uh very interested to see how that ultimately unfolds and what they do in the portal but my question to you matt green your favorite transfer move thus far has been who? Well, there hasn't been many. This honestly could be one of my favorites um, when it's all said and done. But definitely mm. my favorite so far is Jaheim Bell mm. to uh, to Florida State. I think that's uh, that's got to be very disheartening for for South Carolina to for if you know that is going to be a a. a turning point for the program right the way they finish the season to to lose jaheim bell to florida state now marshawn lloyd in the portal like those are definitely two of the core pieces you were building your offense around so that's 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 the reality that that college football is is in in 2022 unfortunately but yeah jaheim bell he's just a dynamic playmaker you saw him play some running back for south carolina like i think if this guy's in an offense that that you know, knows how to use him. I think he could really make some plays. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, they lost, uh, Stogner, uh, back to Oklahoma, which can you explain to me why he's eligible to play right away to go back to Oklahoma? Is he a grad transfer? Is that why he's able to play right away at Oklahoma? I mean, what's who, who's not immediately. Well, you'd only get one still, you still have to get a waiver to get number two. Like you're still not immediately eligible to just transfer multiple times. Uh, you I mean, st- how many have we seen already? There's Hudson a- Card. There's he JT Daniels. Though. I mean, they're both in the portal though. No, what I'm saying is like a year to sit out. Like you still have to sit out a year if you transfer. But Hudson Card, team. no, Hudson Card started at, I'm thinking Jackson Dart, not Hudson. Yeah. I'm thinking, I was thinking his USC transfer. Yeah, but JT Daniels, like he, He's he a grad did get transfer. a waiver from yeah. Georgia. But that was for the first one, and then yes. he's at West Virginia, and now wherever else he's going, like I don't, I don't know that anybody needs a waiver anymore. I think you technically do, but I mean, like I, I was know. going down to twenty four sevens list, their transfer portal list, and they have the immediate eligible in like how many years, and they all say immediate eligible. So like I'm not even sure why this is on, on the on the spreadsheet there, but mm. um, maybe there are some that aren't, but. It seems like everyone's just going and no one has to sit out at all, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah. And I also think, especially like if you go back to the original place you were at, you should have to sit out for the year. Like, what are we doing? Like, then it's like, you shouldn't have left to begin with what you, you left and then came right back. I just, what are, but what's the logic behind that? Like, I mean, if you transferred, like, like why is what JT Daniels is doing better than what Austin Stogner is doing, you know, going to a different school versus going, now Stogner's only gone to two different schools. That at least seems, you know, a little less crazy. But yeah, it's it's really weird looking to see a guy. Hey, he's pulling the Stetson Bennett, right? He uh he had to uh <laughs> rehab over in South Carolina and then, then come back to Oklahoma. Yeah. Um I don't 
I think it's funny that K- uh, Cade McNamara is pretty, uh, pretty hyped about his Iowa. He's like, yeah, keep talking. Keep talking he's about talking, us. He's talking like Joe Burrow, yes. 2019 <laughs> SEC media days. Like, oh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be good. We're going to be good. Trust yeah. me. Which is amazing because if Cade McNamara was the guy who just, he's been held back by what Michigan was asking him to do and he just walks into Iowa and they really do just sling it around next year and Cade McNamara is just lighting it up in uh, Big Ten country, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm here for it, but uh, it'll make the Big Ten West a little more interesting. But, yeah. I mean, what are the odds? Like, what – there we've never seen an Iowa offense like that. Like, we got to go to, what, Brad Banks? When the well, last on, time they have. had a dynamic quarterback? Like, Drew Tate? I was going to say, leave – okay, Drew Tate's involved. What was that, 2006? Like, Drew Ricky Tate's Stanzi. a long time ago. Ricky Stanzi had like, some juice to him. Like I said – I stand CJ by what Bathard said. was fun. He was moving around in the pocket. He went in the NFL. Hey, he's still in the NFL. Um, and we've seen what Iowa's offenses have been. So yeah, Cade. Yeah, I love the confidence, but I do too. Yeah, we'll see. I think the most interesting to me, who's actually committed in the portal, is um, Isaiah Holden. Like I, I thought he was a really good player coming out of high school, and now he goes to Oregon. It looks like he's just going to replace uh, Treshawn Holden or Treshawn uh, Holden. Um, and I think he's going to be he's going to be a good player in Oregon. I think Oregon's doing pretty good work, but I also think it's kind of weird that they bring in him and then Thornton is in the portal and he's a strong Tennessee target. So we'll see if he ends up at Tennessee because Tennessee's for sure going to add one big name portal guy, uh, especially with Jalen Hyatt uh, departing the NFL. With um, there's a bunch of talent uh, in the receiver room at uh, UT right now, but you don't want to go into Next year, counting on two young guys in this uh, in this game, you want one, which is probably me, Squirrel White, in that uh, slot for Jalen. But Brew taking over the the said spot, and then a Raw Raw Thomas or a Thornton. What is it, Derek Thornton? What is his name? Dante Thornton, the Oregon speedster, who's in the portal. I'm not 100. Yeah, Dante Thornton. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. We'll see. Ultimately, I also wonder too with South Carolina. It's like Stogner. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd and uh, Jaheim Bell all out. And it's like, if you're Spencer Rattler, I know he just signed a new NIL deal with like Mercedes in, South, in Columbia, but what Is are you, right? yeah, what are we, what are we coming back to at this point? But it's also like, I, don't, I wonder what kind of grade he is because everything I've looked at mock wise, he's not in the top five. Like he's not a top five quarterback. Um, no, he would hit the portal before he hit the draft, especially this draft. Like this is a pretty deep yeah. quarterback draft. And like if you're a questionable, like the, especially for a guy that has question marks, like they're, they're taking Will Levis and Anthony Richardson over any of the other guys with question marks. Like those yeah. guys at least have like the upside. Um, but yeah, so I, I would, I mean, he's not, he's nowhere close to, he's not top 10 quarterback if he comes out in this class. No, I wouldn't think you taking, you taking Spencer Rattler over Stetson Bennett. Yes. Are you? Yeah. There's no question. I'm not taking Spencer. I'm. I might not draft either. But I, if you got a flyer in the seventh round, I'd much rather spend it on Stetson Bennett than Spencer Rattler. I mean, what is what is what has Spencer Rattler really done? Well, the best of Spencer Rattler well we saw against Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Like it, the best of Spencer Rattler is a really good player. The best of Stetson's still not an NFL player. Like I just um, mm, like, the disrespect. It's not disrespect, man. He's just not an NFL player. Um, and that's, I don't even think, I'm not sure Hendon Hooker is an NFL quarterback. Um, but Matt Green, 
who is the speaking of quarterbacks quarterback you're most interested seeing where they land in the portal is who probably devin leary Hmm. because i feel like devin leary i feel like is good enough to make someone just like instantly a contender yeah like someone who's like a quarterback away type of thing Mm -hmm. um i don't know necessarily who that would be off the top of my head uh maybe someone like tennessee but I don't, i'm not sure they probably want a guy more with a running threat yeah he's um, not on tennessee's radar no who's i mean is tennessee looking to, for the portal like are they here's the thing with tennessee like that they're in a McCall? weird bind the reason and this is another just timeline here tennessee <laughs> um there's two windows now at the portal right there's one now and there's one after spring practice taven jackson is currently hurt uh, he, I think, broke his collarbone a few uh, months ago, so he's been out for the year. Taven Jackson, obviously, a highly touted four-star. You have Nico coming in. Joe Milton locked in as QB1, depending on how the Orange Bowl goes. But, like, they're kind of tied to to Milton for a while. But if Milton stinks <laughs> it's Clemson, then that kind of changes some things with how they go into uh, – this offseason and i mean there's a lot of pressure riding on how joe milton plays in uh in miami and the expectation is how spring ball goes like whoever finishes third in the depth chart is out and it's not going to be nico like nico's not finishing last the five star uh number probably number one overall prospect in the country um purely physical tools like he's just bigger uh than arch and he's more physically gifted than than arch based on everything you read and doesn't mean he's gonna be a better quarterback but no one's got him ranked higher than arch uh that's not true who's got him ranked higher than arch there's evaluators who have him personally ranked above arch yeah i'm not talking about the whole composite for like an on three or two four seven you got to read different qb evaluators and uh, recruit yeah, he's big time Re- he's big time. splitting hairs when you're talking yeah one or two or three whatever and you can't go wrong betting on a manning to this point i wouldn't do it i wouldn't go down in that uh that rabbit hole of betting against uh a manning that all being said yeah maliava seems like a souped up Mar- marcus Mariota. but well so then maybe devin leary is not going tennessee but no sorry, i don't what, think what if, say? well here's what i was going leading into with that leary wants to make a decision because school starts in a few weeks leary wants to be locked into his next team early like a lot of these guys grayson mccall wants to be enrolled for january classes start back in mid-january for a lot of these universities tennessee starts late i think they're one of the latest universities to start back on january 30th that all being said these guys are not going to wait on what happens with joe milton and the orange bowl and like what he looks like in that one like a lot of those big names are gonna be off the board so any transfer quarterback who wants to compete with joe in the spring are just gonna have to wait it out because nico's coming and they get to see what taven's gonna do but tennessee might be screwed in that way where they're like look we cannot like joe's our guy we he stayed this whole time we have to commit to joe uh nico's obviously on campus now and then taven's nursing this injury they they just their hands are kind of tied until spring ball when one of the when either Taven or Joe leaves, uh, depending on how the spring and this orange bowl goes. And then I don't know who's left in the portal by that point. You get what I'm saying? So it's like all those guys yeah. are gonna be uh, gone. So Tennessee, I'm sure, is interested in some of these, but they can't really do anything as of right now. That makes sense. And so like Leary is one that does interest me, but also like Grayson McCall. Like yeah, how like how. 
how big time is Grayson McCall? Is it like a is it a is it a cute thing that he does over in the Sun Belt that can work in at an SEC school? Like maybe I'm not really sure. Like you said with Auburn, like that seems like a it seems like a kind of a, a fit there. But mm. but also Brennan Armstrong, like we saw a really good player in Brennan Armstrong yeah. in 2021. Still throws kind of funny, but we saw a good player in 2021 and he was an absolutely different player, just awful in 2022. Is it the new system he was in is, can he go somewhere and just have a complete rejuvenation and kind of show more of what he was in 2021. Um, but also from two guys that we, we haven't seen, we've seen a little more of one, but like Jeff Sims, like he was yeah. pretty average at Georgia tech, but I mean, that's not a great supporting cast at Georgia tech. So he's a guy who, Seems like he's got some ability, so I, I, I'm kind of curious to see where someone like him ends up if if he le- lands at like a a mid tier Power Five school that can kind of you know have a better supporting cast around him, and then also a Malik Hornsby who you mm. really haven't seen at all, but he's obviously an elite athlete. If you could if he could get in a system like a Malik Cunningham or something where he's mm. a run first dual threat guy or something like that, I, he doesn't seem like necessarily a Power Five quarterback but you know we've seen so little of him it's it's kind of hard to say at this point but uh those seem like guys that kind of have a lot of upside that i if they you know if they get in the right system i think they could do do a you know make a make a buzz as a uh at their new school i have a take for you hit me georgia should go all out for Devin leary um i i i i doubt that i i have a good feeling that georgia is going to stick with the quarterback room they have because i think they could i think georgia could legitimately come out of spring practice without losing any of their three scholarship quarterbacks and like uh i'm blanking on his name right now which one vandegrift uh, gunner stockton carson beck beck yeah mm-hmm. there you go Beck has played a lot in in the in the backup role this year, and, he, and he's looked good. So I mean, I think these guys are kind of buying their time. I I I don't know. I think going to the portal too much, I think, can kind of disrupt the way you've recruited because since they have guys stacked on top of each other, like you know, at, theoretically, all of these guys could get a shot to be the starter if they stick things out at Georgia. Like that's most likely not going to be the case. But like when you had a a from and fields thing like obviously fields was behind from but they were they're so close together like i feel like there's enough separation where i don't know these guys could all end up sticking it out they just george doesn't seem like a team that's going to go to the portal like if you're going to go to the portal for a quarterback he, he needs to be like a true difference maker like maybe Devin Leary is is good enough. You could just plug him into Georgia, but i, I don't know I, that's that doesn't seem like something georgia would do if i'm being honest you say that Matt Green, your quarterback now was a transfer. You look at Jamie Newman, Kirby dipped in the portal there. Dewan Mathis. Yeah, but um, that was a that was a much worse quarterback room at, at that time. Like Jake Fromm, I think kind of left Georgia high and dry. I don't, I don't think they necessarily expected Jake Fromm to leave early. Mm-hmm. And I think Stetson was the only other scholarship quarterback on the roster at that point. And then Dewan Mathis, I think, was he? I think he was the recruiting class. It was the same recruiting class as uh, Stroud was, whichever one that was. So, yeah, I mean, Dewan Mathis and Stetson Bennett were the only ones that were on scholarship. You had to bring in Jamie Newman and JT Daniels. JT Daniels, I forgot the other one. That's what I'm saying. Like, he has a history. 
Like, it's not out of the question. Like, the difference between Georgia and Bama is Bama doesn't do it at all, like, with their quarterback. So, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, Bryce is gone. Are they really going to trust Milrow or Ty Simpson? And it's like, yeah, that's kind of what Alabama does. You you wait it out. Like, you're going to be <laughs> next in line if you wait it out. But Georgia has dipped in the portal um, in the past. I would just not be surprised if Georgia – I think it kind of depends on what, the same thing. Y'all are kind of in the same boat as Tennessee where you have Carson Beck who's waited his time. Tennessee's had Joe Milton. He's waited his time. They've shown flashes. They deserve the opportunity to be QB1, and you want to keep that culture happy of like rewarding guys who stick it out and work to get better. But then you're going to lose one of the two talented ones. Like Tennessee's expected to lose either Taven or Nico, and it's not going to be Nico. And then you look at Georgia. It's like Gunnar Stockton or Brock Vandergriff. Like I, I know you think you feel pretty good about those three, but my gut, and just with the portal era after spring ball it's going to be clear who is not close to seeing the field and who's in that number three spot they dip and then georgia probably enters the portal i think they get a portal quarterback kind of like tennessee see i i don't think they're the same position at all though because joe milton is, has just had a lot bigger sample size of maybe potentially knowing what he is at michigan and at tennessee like he he only started a game or two at tennessee but you know you at least have some idea of what he like carson beck You've seen nothing of him, really. So there's no reason to to think he he's proven he can't do it. You know, he obviously hasn't proven he can. But I think if I think Stetson Bennett has shown, like you stick it out here, anything can happen in this quarterback room, and you you can be the starter. So you know, I think you're but not always... everyone has that Stetson mindset. Is what you got to remember. No, that's true. But and I mean, he wasn't a five star. Brock Vandergrift's also a. Brock Vandergriff is also from Athens, Georgia. Like I, these guys I, want to I play, man. They want to get to the league. Of Stetson course. was a fan first and was never expecting to be an NFL player. I think it's a little bit different. His love and heart and loyalty towards Georgia is a little bit different than five star kids. No, and that's true. But at the same time, Stetson, I mean, was brought in on scholarship after mm. after Fields transferred. So like, they're they're. You know, they're obviously he was going like most likely, I think, uh, Billy Napier at, at Louisiana is where he was going to go if he didn't get mm-hmm. a job uh, offer from Georgia. So obviously that's very different if his next best offer is you, uh, University of Louisiana versus Vandegrift being an Oklahoma commit mm-hmm. uh, ended up going to Georgia. But I don't know. I just don't I necessarily see I don't see Georgia going to the portal this class. Like, I mm-hmm. think. I don't think they're like above it from like a moral standpoint or something like Dabo tries to make it like, you know, I think Kirby is definitely like kind of pat his own back about this team of like not taking any guys in the portal and like, you know, that these guys love the university and all that. So I think there is like an element to that, but I mean, you've seen Ra Ra Thomas, he's already on a visit to UGA. So like they're, they're going to take, they took Darion Kendrick. They've taken, you know, Lawrence Cager, they've taken plenty of, of transfers through the last few years, but, but it's um, not how their bread, their, their bread is made. Like it's, that's why exactly. Dabo was stupid. He took it as like, I'm not building my, it's like, no, the teams that have to build through the transfer portal, the ones who start, like what Hypo had to do to start his tenure at Tennessee. I think it's the way to jumpstart your program. But like I get texts from my uncles who are going to listen to this. They ask me about transfer targets all the time and they'll see a name. and They'll be like, is Tennessee going to go after him? I'm like, no, because Tennessee's got 25 guys in this class and most of them are four stars. Like the whole point is to recruit well, keep these guys happy and you like build the program that way. And then whatever you lose, you fill out on the edges. The portal should be the edges for the premier programs where it's like, oh, we have this one spot we need to fill in the portal. But by and large, 
your program needs to be mostly guys you recruited out of high school um, that have stuck with it and learned from the beginning, like how your program operates, all that kind of stuff. Like that's just by and large, I think what every power five job wants to be. And I think that's what Kirby does it probably better than anybody at this point, but to avoid the portal altogether and make it seem like it's this negative and like we're above the portal, it's just stupid because that's just the world we live in. And it's a way to just kind of flesh out the, the periphery of your your roster regardless of how talented it is they can help yeah absolutely it's just uh i i think i don't know Dabo. just everything Dabo says just gets gets turned into just terrible but it, it just it feels like he it just kind of tone deaf like it's mm. not it doesn't mean that you you don't care as much you're it's not like, developing as well as you used to yeah you're not as mentally tough or something it's like there's there's all kinds of different circumstances guys are trying to get to the league like you can't can't necessarily say someone's not mentally tough if they're trying to just get to the league and they don't think the place that they're at is going to help them get there. So, you know, coaches make these professional decisions all the time to go from one program to the other. So the players are trying to do the same type of thing. And, yeah, I, I just – I think you might could see some some transfer portal stuff with Georgia's quarterback room, like, after the 2023 season. But I think just because it's so uh, – just kind of up in the open or out in the open or what am I trying to say up for grabs there you go the job is so up for grabs coming into 2023 that I mean you could see the guy who starts the season not be the one who finishes it which has happened a bunch in Kirby Smart's tenure as the head quarterback or as the head coach is the guy who starts the first game like half the years Kirby Smart's been the head coach is not the guy who's who's finished the season so I think you go into the season and injuries happen things happen and you know i think i think any of those guys stockton or vandegrift they just have so much eligibility left that there's no real real reason to to rush it and and jump in the portal if you're not starting this season or you're not starting in the spring this season we should make a bet i think georgia loses one of stockton and uh and vandegrift this spring before 2023 yeah i'll take that bet for sure i don't think it'll happen Okay, we need to put. We need to figure out. Uh, we'll buy. Let's do a dinner bet uh, with uh, our lovely wives. Uh, if I win, uh, it's on you. If you win, it's on. Uh, it's on there, me. There you go. But that the role how we will outline this is, they have to enter the portal um, in the spring after like spring ball during that window and actually leave. They have to leave. So what are you saying? I'm saying they're going to be on the roster for the 2023 season. I'm saying one of will not be on the roster for the 20, but okay. we'll know because we'll know in the portal because they have the two opening dates. So I think after spring practice, whoever's number three on the depth chart's out. Fair enough. Well, I think their plan is see. they want to do Carson this year or this upcoming year and then uh, Gunner Stockton the year after. I, I think, think Vandergriff want... knows his time is. I think they happen. want whoever's better. I mean, Vandergriff is way higher ranked coming out than uh, than Stockton was. Stock. I... The stuff on Vandergriff, like his arm motion's weird. I remember reading that. It like, is. He's an athlete, though. Yeah. He's he he kind of surprised me in the spring how how big and fast he is. I think Stockton is supposed to definitely be a dual threat as well. Stockton definitely feels like he feels like he's going to be a great college quarterback. Like yeah, not necessarily. An but NFL he also feels more like guy. a Jake Fromm to me. 
he feels like a Connor Shaw to me, but mm. maybe like a better passer. I don't know. I, if he can be as efficient as Connor Shaw was, but he feels like maybe I just think that because he was a South Carolina commit and that's just like in my head. But yeah, I don't know. He feels like the guy who's not going to be a pro prospect, but just uh, just a gamer running around, make some plays with his legs, a Stetson Bennett type, if you will. That's what I'm saying. He just feels more like what Todd Monken wants to do. I could I be think wrong. Todd Monken wants, wants the best quarterback he can get. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, great name, though. Gunner Stockton. Like, it's just such a great quarterback name in the South. Gunner Stockton. Brock Vandergriff. Um, Matt Green. Know, I, one yeah. thing I don't understand, Stetson Bennett, everyone loves to talk about his name. Like, mm. his name sounds like like this. He comes from wealth and royalty. Like, I've never, I've never thought that at all. Like, the Southern aristocrat or something. Brock Vandegrift, a hundred percent, sounds like one of those names. But I've never understood why people think like Stetson Bennett sounds like a a, a, a lawyer or something. Like I've, they've, I don't know. People have always like Ryan McGee. You just hear mainstream media instead of SEC people talk about that all the time. And I've never really understood kind of how hmm. Stetson's name is like a a snooty, a hoity-toity name or something. I don't know. Brock Vandegrift, I can feel you, but Stetson, I don't know. It's a cool name. Yeah, I would, ag- I would agree with you. I don't think Stetson Bennett gives me that impression whatsoever. And as a uh, noted spokesman of Southern quarterback names that may or may not sound snooty and or uh, QB1, I can go ahead and cast a cast a verdict here that I guess there is not snooty. Fair enough. You're, that's the that's, that's the verdict. That's not. Um, yeah. It is like Stetson Bennett the fourth. I think the Stetson Bennett the fourth thing. I think that's probably what people think. The legacy. I don't know. I think that has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just I don't. When I hear Stetson Bennett, I don't. I don't think wealth. Arch Manning is a strong one. Arch. But uh, Brock. Brock Vandergriff. Like yeah. I don't know. He. Yeah. We won't. We won't make any generalizations about their character. No. This is just based on you hear the name alone. Um, Matt Green. Bowl games. They're coming about this week. We have actual bowl games to talk about. Um, we do indeed. Will, we're coming to your city. Coming to your city. No bowl games here, unfortunately. Uh, if you want a little zing in your zang zang. Uh, are you, the wh- lyric? That's the lyric, right? I I believe you. Want a little ting in your tang tang? Is that what? <laughs> is that what he says? You want a little zing in your zang zang? You hear that every morning. I know you mm-hmm. watch. I start my Saturday with college game day with the theme song every morning. No, I don't. I guess I never listened to it that intently, and now I gotta go play it after we get off here. I, cause I, I, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but it sounds right when you're saying that. Um, you might have to bleep my last, my, my last one. I don't know. Maybe it was inappropriate. I think that's the I lyric. I mean, there you go. It's hey, we're just quoting here. Um, no, this is uh, it's bowl season, and for the good folks who had forgotten, uh, it is me, your uh, host, who won the college football regular season pick them and many are saying um the expectation and assumption uh around uh sports podcasting right now is that um i will follow through uh both in the bowl pick them and projections along with the college football playoff picks that are a separate thing because the college football playoff is separate than bowl season um so we judge them differently I'm very annoyed that we still have two weeks to go. I want to see these games really bad. Like, I really cannot wait to watch Michigan TCU and uh, Georgia, Ohio State. They're going to be a lot of fun. I think this is the most excited I've been for 
two CFP semifinal games since it started. Do you feel the same? I would probably say that because I think there was a lot of talk. Like, oh, Michigan's going to blast TCU mm-hmm. like, kind of right off the jump. And I'm, I'm not really that convinced. But I, I said to my brother kind of immediately when, because we were watching that USC-Utah game together. And it was like, I was like, I, I wanted to play USC. Like, I preferred to play USC than Utah or than Ohio State. But it's like, as soon as they lost, it's like the playoff is going to be way better with Ohio mm-hmm. State. And it. it just... It's going to be a sexier matchup like Georgia, Ohio State. This is one of like the juggernaut matchups we just haven't seen in college football. It's kind of when Oklahoma was playing Florida in the Sugar Bowl a couple years ago and then half the teams opted out so it didn't really matter. It's like there's just these certain brand names that just it's it's exciting when you see them two ma- two matchups you don't get to see too often. For sure. But also, I'm going to go back to uh Big and Rich here mm-hmm. and confirm the lyric <laughs> it starts with, and if you want a little bang in your yin yang, if you want a little zing in your zang zang, if you want a little ting in your tang tang, come along, come along, come along, come along. Wow. Yeah, we're coming to your city. That's actually to your city. I think mm-hmm. it's the last one. I love. I would love to be a fly on the wall when he's writing these out. Uh, zang when they like he's just strumming the guitar and he's like that doesn't work uh zing zing zzz, he's like, like being in your bang bang <laughs> that's no that's stupid <laughs> oh my goodness zing in your zang zang did you write that down <laughs> yes write that down um yeah it's uh <laughs> hey i'm not a, i'm not a singer songwriter so <laughs> big and rich they're doing better than i am hey they're big and rich man uh, they, True. They, Truly. Um, Matt Green, bowl season. It's bowl pick'em season. We got all kinds of games uh, to start off here. I will say right out of the gate, this Bahama Bowl business. Why do we stop calling it the? Uh, or why? Like we're we're looking at this one. I was looking well, at Bahama Bowl. Are you are you uh, are you glazing over the corporate sponsor, sir? We're going to say each and every one of these corporate sponsors. That's the hometown lenders <laughs> Bahamas Bowl to you, sir. You get well, that right. That. They paid good money for that sponsorship. The Easy Post Hawaii Bowl? No, you're just the Hawaii Bowl. What are we doing? And then you also think about when you get older. Like, we're like, I hate all these sponsors. I want to go back to the Outback Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to the Nokia Sugar Bowl, okay? That made sense. <laughs> But it's just, you don't, uh, Tostitas Fiesta Ball. That was what the Fiesta Ball was. I'm tired of this corporate sponsorship stuff. Um, but yeah, that was one of the dumber thoughts. I remember I was like, why am I mad at these changes? It's like, I'm attached to Outback Steakhouse having their. Yeah. Their, like, Ex- that's a, that, I will, I will die on that hill though. Cause they, they, they were one of the more festive sponsors with, mm-hmm. they had like the whole Bloom and Onion, like whoever with the winning team or, or something like that was one of the better ones. What is it called now? Oh man, let, let me find it. I uh, it's in the one in Tampa. So it's Union Home Mortgage. Wait, that's the Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> so the Tampa's got two of them. It's the ReliaQuest Bowl. Ugh. That's all. I, what is ReliaQuest? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what ReliaQuest is either. It'd be funnier if it was the ReliaQuest Outback Bowl. That would but, be. Um, I guess you can't the, do that. There's a conflict of interest. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but we, you want to get into it? Yeah. Also, 
we need to get big enough on this podcast where we can sponsor one like Jimmy Kimmel has the LA Bowl. Like just Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. That's insane. Yeah, that's um that I love is. Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. That's my favorite name. Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. What a what a name. But that's another one. It's like the the FedEx the Fiesta Tostillos Fiesta Bowl. It's like when it was the new era Pinstripe Bowl. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I can get down with this. Yeah. But now it's the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl, but you know this is this is the this is the world we live in now. It is. Um, it but is. Back to the hometown lenders Bahamas bowl. Mm-hmm. We got the uh, Miami of Ohio Red Hawks and the UAB Blazers. Blazers are a eleven point favorite in this one. Miami of Ohio is one hundred thirteenth in the country in points per game. This year, they are not good offensively. Six and six coming in. Give me the Blazers. Also really weird. I mean, is Coach Vincent going to be coaching this game for the Blazers? Um, I stopped trying to I stopped trying to keep track of that. Well, it's weird because the players wanted him to get the job, and then they went <laughs> Trent Dilfer, which we'll see how that does. He's been killing it at Lipscomb, but I mean We'll see. They are able to run all over uh, everybody all year with Dwayne McBride and Jermaine Brown. Um, just almost 2,000 uh, yards total uh, for McBride coming into this uh, this year. But like you said, they're 11-point favorites in the Bahamas Bowl. I think uh, they're going to be able to run all over uh, Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio is not very good. So that's my, my strong take is UAB is going to get a win and uh, head into the offseason with Trent Dilfer as the new leader of the Blazer program. Shorter trip to the Bahamas from uh, from Birmingham than than Ohio. I think is that's it? A, that, that's going to be the key. Okay. Oh yeah, it's got to be right. I mean, I didn't look it up, but Alabama's way further south. I think I feel confident in saying that it's way closer. Wait, what do you mean? They're both going to Hawaii. Wait, whoa, whoa hold on. What? They're both going to the Bahamas. Yeah. Are you saying what? But what? What were you saying? saying Birmingham is closer to the Bahamas than Ohio is. Do you think so? How would it not be? Bahamas is like right off of Florida, like off the east coast of Florida, like right. That's that's where they're. Okay, hold on. So um, I've lost my mind. I was thinking, like when we were doing Bahamas. I have just had in my head for the last minute Hawaii when we were talking about the Hawaii Bowl. So I'm just like, why are you saying that? I'm like, no, it's it's the same day. Like, what are we talking about? Like, we're going west. Like, what are we talking about? Like, I'm just thinking Hawaii Bowl this whole time. I'm like, all right, there's Bahamas Bowl now and the Hawaii Bowl. I just, my mind was in the Hawaii Bowl. So apologies. Yes. There no, you go. UAB is was... absolutely closer to, um, to, uh, I was very confused. Yeah. I was like, I, uh, <laughs> I know my geography. All right, sir. Um, Bahamas, one say, of the only places, you... only place I've ever been outside the United States. Fun fact for you. I need there to go, go more places. I would want to see, like, I'm, I would love to do airport watching. Can you imagine the weirdo who's just, like, a diehard Red Hawk fan and they're just, like, catching a red eye to the Bahamas for Miami versus UAB? You just see somebody at the airport walking around with just decked out Miami Red Hawk gear. And they're like, cannot wait for this matchup with UAB. Cannot wait. How annoyed, actually, do you think those people are talking to anybody in the Bahamas? They're like, oh, I've been to Miami. It's like, no, this isn't, this isn't Miami. This is a different Miami. Like, different Miami? I've never heard of another Miami. Yeah. So, so it's going to have a conversation you're going to have. 
you have to have that conversation like a hundred times. They're gonna be rooting, but people in Bahamas will be rooting for Miami until they figure out it's in Ohio. Mm. Um, but you know, there, there you go. Keeping it on the 16th on Friday. I've been winning covering, by the way. If you're uh, scoring this at home. Oh yeah, yeah. UAB, write that down. Mm-hmm. UAB winning and covering. We agree on that one. Uh, the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl in Orlando. This might be the best bowl uh, of our slate this week. UTSA and Troy. We got mm. two two eleven and two teams coming to this one. Both of these teams, I believe, started one and two hmm. and have both won ten straight. I was going back and forth on this one. What do you say? It's another one of those matchups where, if you remember, uh, Troy against uh, Coastal in the Sun Belt title game, it was like, oh, is Troy going to be able with that defense? Because their defense is one of the best in the country, and it has been all year long. And you're like, can Coastal, can they score enough with the Coastal? It's like, yeah. Uh, Troy is in really, really good shape. But also, UTSA, um, which I also love that Harris is coming back for like his 19th year um for uh for utsa and they they keep taylor uh, again i'm surprised he hasn't gotten picked up by a bigger bigger school to this point but utsa oh and three in uh bowl games they have not won a bowl game yet and this is obviously the first bowl for john Sumrall, uh new head coach at uh troy um they have uh i i just i kind of i don't know i kind of want to say that offense always wins and like i generally speaking if it's a toss-up i go i go offense but for me even with frank Par- frank harris who's completing 71 percent of his passes has been it's been big i don't think they're gonna be able to beat this troy team i like troy's complete play i like what they are doing defensively um the defense is good and i think outside of that uh crazy loss to app state um they're they're good and this defense has been this way all year long. Uh, Gunnar Watson's a good QB. He was fine and did enough. Threw for 318 yards in that uh, Sun Belt victor, title victory over Coastal. Um, and it was just 12 passes. They can play keep away. Defense will be good. Um, give me the Troy Trojans to win and cover. I'm going to have to go ahead and agree with you on that one, sir. Mm. I think, uh, like you said, Troy's got a great defense, um, but they're also able to win games if they got to get in a shootout with somebody. So they, their offense um, can can score if they need to. <clears throat> so, yeah, give me Troy to win and cover. And this next one, we got two very familiar foes in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. <laughs> at uh, Fenway Park, as you may have guessed. We got Cincinnati and Louisville. Louisville is a two-point favorite in this one. But these teams go way back, sir. Conference USA. They both joined Conference USA from 1996 to, to 2004. Then both of them were in the Big East from 2005 to 2012. They go way back. This is the first time they've played since 2013. I feel like obviously both of them are replacing their head coach in this one, so I'm trying to figure out who's more motivated. I'm also looking at the the geography. You know, we got Cincinnati and Louisville going to Boston, similar similar distance. Both teams have to travel. You know, no real advantage there. But I feel like Cincinnati's going to come in more motivated. I feel like Louisville, their coach, he didn't like leave for a, a new a new job. Obviously, he left for 
Cincinnati. He didn't leave for like an upgrade. He left because like they didn't want him around anymore. It felt like like you can kind of feel the the room. Like, you guys want me to get out of here. I'm going to I'm going to get out of here. So from the moral high ground standpoint, I think the Cincinnati Bearcats have this one. So give me the Bearcats. Interesting. Do you know who's coaching Louisville in this one? I honestly don't. Dion Branch. Wow. So he's he's been on their staff? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Dion What's... Branch is coaching Louisville in this one. Kerry Coombs is coaching um, uh, Cincy in this one. This is also Man. the first time this bowl game's ever happened. So last year, Virginia opted out in 2021 so the game didn't happen and then COVID happened in 2020 so this is the inaugural uh Fenway Bowl because they've tried for three years now and this is the first time it's actually happened wow um but look man I I don't think Louisville is going to be able to win this football game I think Cincy like you said um I think it's an upgrade for Satterfield to go that way I think look there's still a bunch of talent here. Um, we'll see who's at quarterback uh, for Cincy. I know that that's still kind of up in the air. I don't. Uh, Bryant got hurt towards the end of last year and didn't play in the finale, so I'm curious to see what he does. But um, Cincy, I think, is in a better position right now. Weird vibes at Louisville. Jeff Brom will be taking over and cleaning house a little bit. But, no, give me uh, Cincinnati to win and cover in this one. Weird game, though, given the context of Louisville's coach Lily leaving for Cincinnati. Yeah, very strange. <clears throat> and then uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, the only FCS game on the on our slate, the Cricket Celebration Bowl, Jackson State, North Carolina Central. Jackson State is a 16.5-point favorite in this one. Obviously, Deion Sanders is gone. I'm gonna assume Shadur isn't playing in this one uh, for the. Uh, uh, well, for no, Jackson Dion's State. coaching. Dion is coaching this game. Yeah, I think they're all co- they're all staying. I think that was part of the deal for Dion was he get, he wanted to uh, coach the Celebration Bowl. So I think they're all playing. You can confirm this. I'm pretty certain that was like part of the deal. <clears throat> I was uh, I was feeling good about Jackson State anyway, being mm-hmm. such a big favorite and just the talent advantage they have, but. Dion's still coaching, then, um, yeah, hammer that 16 and a half. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, like, look, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty certain that he is, uh, he's coaching this one. Um, either way, uh, yes, he is. Okay. I just looked it back. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. He's recruiting for Colorado, but also, uh, still coaching in the Celebration Bowl. Um, but either way, he is going to be fine i think they go out a winner um jackson state has just been a powerhouse all year long and uh this will be a fun one uh nc central i think is where hendon hooker's brother uh plays at and i'm pretty sure that's where his dad went um in north carolina but uh yeah there you go uh go unc central but i think uh jackson state wins here pretty handily it's also where uh Former North Cornette great Abuka and Yora went uh, mm. North Carolina Central after he transferred from Georgia. So shout out to Abuka. Um, also, did you hear? Uh, oh, he's at North Carolina A&T. Excuse me. Okay. Sidebar. Uh, did you hear Bamani Jones is being critical of Deion Sanders? Did you hear any of that? His mm-hmm. comments about Deion Sanders. Did what did you think about that? I don't. 
Do you think, I mean, I should say, do you think Dion did anything like dishonest about kind of leaving, leaving Jackson state, like kind of, kind of claiming to like being doing something bigger for HBCUs and then bouncing kind of the first chance he got, like, did you have any issue with that at all from what Dion did? I let me say at the top, I don't pretend to have a firm grasp on HBCUs and what all he has specifically done at Jackson State and just I, I my main thing has always been like I'm reading gaining different perspectives on uh, his time at Jackson State and him staying and like there was that dust up with him and Eddie Robinson Jr. if you recall uh, with Alabama State where he the the coach said uh, you're I think he said something like you ain't swack or you're not swack or something like that do you remember the dust up they got into post game with the handshake and stuff and what they're I think the undertone there was just that like we'll see if you stay around like you yeah like you got to stay like if you're really committed to this then you got to say no to those bigger jobs and keep building um hbcus back up uh from a football standpoint and uh keeping it going not just stopping at travis hunter but continuing to get more and more big time players to revitalize these institutions whether it's jackson state whether it's because like if he stays there the long he stays there it gets more eyeballs and gets more attention to the other uh hbcus and potentially just a revitalization all across the board and getting more and more big time players, which uh, hopefully leads to more money for the institutions. And I don't know, just a better health, right. For all the athletics department to cross um, the SWAC and HBCUs, because like you want to go compete against Dion, you want to go um, in a really fun league. Right. Um, but he obviously left um, for Colorado, which is not a humongous job, right? Like it's not a big time jump where it's like, Oh, obviously you have to leave jackson state for colorado but it's also like it depends on like what i guess he told recruits right like i'm not privy to any of that stuff so i don't know but it's also and i think bomani made this point of like he didn't do anything differently than what any other coach has ever done but that was the whole point like i i could be getting it wrong but based on what i heard from him on the right time his podcast was just that like look man like he he's doing what every other college coach has done, right? Where he's selling something and he's like, look, come here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then there's enough money that comes up and it's like, I got to go. There's a better job. I'm at the power five now and he'll be at Colorado for a couple of years. And then my gut still says he's the next coach of Alabama. Maybe there's another job before then, but he'll bounce again. But that's what every coach has done. You know what I mean? So it's like Dion basically just proved that he's not any different than Nick Saban or Jimbo or Lincoln Riley is probably the most uh, similar example to this point where he was like the Oklahoma God. And you're like, oh, he'll never leave Oklahoma. That's a destination school. And then there's enough money in the location at USC. And then he left and it's like he brought half the class. And I mean, he's bringing a lot of Jackson State kids, it looks like, to Colorado. But um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough and I just I, I listen to other people like Pomani and um, other folks who've covered the program and covered Dion to this point. I think he's done a lot of good and I think him leaving doesn't um, doesn't 
it doesn't hurt anything that he's done to this point. Like he still changed a lot of lives, done a lot for that community, put Jackson State on the map, and they're turning in the right direction. And they have a lot of momentum. And I hope they nail the next hire and um, they continue uh, in the positive direction all across the board. But ultimately, I don't know. I just I don't feel comfortable having like a strong take on it because I just I don't know enough, and um, I'm not going to pretend to. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, um, and I think like what Bomani Jones is saying was kind of being interpreted as like hating a little bit that mm-hmm. like, oh, this is he's just the same as every other coach. But I feel like it, I basically agreed with exactly what, what he said because this is, is what every other coach did would do. And every, every coach would take Colorado over Jackson State. But I think the only, the only negative you can kind of say is that he, maybe he sold this vision of what he was going to do for HBCUs and this whole like kind of movement. And it's like, was that ever really in the plan or was it, were you just, this happened to be the place that gave you your first head coaching job. So you were selling it how you could. And then as soon as the next best head coaching job opened up, you were just going to bounce like, you know, more power to you. Like that's what everybody's going to do. But I guess it just feels a little different because you were kind of claiming that this was this was part of a bigger thing of players going to HBCUs and things like that. But I mean, yeah, if you can say anything negative, I guess, you know, that's what you would say. But, you know, in the end, you know, I have no problem with Dion going there and everything he did for Jackson State while he was there is is awesome. Like things just out of out of his own pockets, like there's no clean drinking water in the damn city of Jackson, Mississippi, like for however long. I don't know if they've still fixed that. So he's just doing so much for that community and everything. So he obviously like left them off way better than he they were when he got there, right? But did he actually improve HBCUs on the whole like long term? Like I'm not necessarily sure he did. And is that his job? Not really. So if is that what he's claimed he was gonna do? You know, maybe. But yeah, I didn't I didn't necessarily have a problem with anything Bomani said. I think both people can be right in terms of like the folks who are rubbed off or rubbed the wrong way by it. I get it. And the folks who are like, look, it's whatever other coach would do in this situation. I think those people are right too. Right? Like, I don't think there's a right answer here. I think yeah, if, if you were, if you were invested in HBCUs and you wanted this to be a movement, then yeah, you're mm-hmm. probably pretty salty. But other than that, it's like he did, he brought game day to an HBCU school. Like, yeah, you know, they were talking about HBCUs. Like it would've been nice if he hungs, hangs around, Maybe they get a big TV contract or something that can actually trickle to the other schools. But I think it really just helped Jackson State for a few years. And, you know, that's that's about it. And we'll see what happens. We'll see if um, more like he may have started a movement there where we don't even know yet where more big name coaches um, jump to HBCUs or former players, whoever it is, like to revitalize different different programs. It doesn't have to just be Jackson State and maybe he's the starting point there where they saw like the kind of success that Dion had there and um, what he did for that program and did for state of Mississippi and Jackson. And they, they follow suit. Like uh, we don't know, like we saw Eddie George's at Tennessee state. Um, It's not like it was just Dion. So I think um, we'll see uh, across the board. I know Hugh Jackson's at Grambling. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's still too early to tell. And like I said, I'd, I hope for the best all across the board, and um, I don't think there's a right answer with the Dion stuff. No doubt. Uh, it's also just none of my business quick, with these guys. Like I always get sure. mad at like going at these people. Like I'm like, it's none of my business, man. What these guys choose to do with their professional lives. No, without a doubt. 
it's uh it's prime time. He's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna go he's gonna go to the top, whatever he's doing. Um keeping it moving to the SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl. We got the Florida Gators and the Oregon State Beavers. Oregon State is a ten point favorite in this one. The spread is kind of scaring me a little bit, but I just look at this Florida team as 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 low as I've been on on Anthony Richardson all year, I would imagine Florida playing without without Anthony Richardson is going to be worse. So it seems like most other conferences when they're playing the SEC school in the bowl game, it's it's like their Super Bowl type thing. So I feel like Oregon State's going to come out with the motivation, and I don't think Florida's going to have it. So give me Oregon State to win and cover. Interesting. Jonathan Smith just got an extension. Uh, Anthony Richardson has obviously opted out of this bowl game. Um, we'll see the running back duo. Like one of the things that scares me if I'm an Oregon State fan is just like Florida was able to run all over people all year long, whether it was Etienne or Johnson. But Etienne looks like he's a dude at Florida, and I think he's going to be a really good player there in Napier's scheme. They just don't have the receivers. Like part of it, like I don't, I don't know if Florida's going to be able to score enough to keep up with Oregon State. I think the Beavs. I think people are undervaluing what the Beavs are uh, to this point. They beat Oregon. They beat a much better team than this Florida team, and they had a lot of big wins this year. Nine and three uh, for Jonathan Smith. Like I think it's a little, uh, a little offensive <laughs> to uh, to discount the Beavs as much as I've seen people discount them. Like, is Jack Miller the quarterback for this one for Florida? Is that yeah. who it's going to be? I just. No, not doing it. I think uh, the Beavs win and cover. I, I don't. And six and seven for year one for Napier. Oof. I think he has to win eight games next year to keep some, some heat back, on him. That could be back-to-back six and seven years for the Gators. And they were quietly having such a, like, solid first year for him. Mm-hmm. Like, if they just finished out those those last two uh, versus Vanderbilt and Florida State, like, this is a completely different uh, – just vibe to the end of the season. Honestly, not even the Florida State game because that Florida State's a good team. If they just don't mm-hmm. lose to Vanderbilt, that just completely just soiled the whole season, basically. And Las Vegas is an X factor because obviously Oregon State on the West Coast, much closer to Vegas. But Vegas being such a destination town, you don't necessarily know who's gonna have the the bit better showing. Florida, I would imagine, has a has a bigger alumni base than Oregon State, so. They may travel for this one. I'm I'm curious to see what the what the fan breakdown in this game is. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping it moving to the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl in Inglewood, California, Washington State and Fresno State. The Bulldogs come into this one eight straight wins. Uh, also, Fresno State's a three and a half point favorite in this one. Washington State five losses this year to five ranked teams. So. We know how how good uh, there's six ranked teams in the Pac-12. Washington was beating everybody else, but they couldn't beat any of those good ranked teams in their schedule. So I'm I don't I don't know exactly what to expect. Are they are they uh, just a really good team in a, in a tough conference, or were they just kind of uh, you know middle of the road but lost to their good teams? I think I'm gonna go Fresno State in this one. Um, just, I, I honestly was going back and forth, so it's a toss-up to me. So give me the Bulldogs. Jake Hayner's back for this one, which is big um, for them. Uh, he hasn't thrown a pick 
uh, in their last five games. Um, I don't, I don't think this is a good matchup for the Kooks. Like, I think this offense is rolling. Uh, Fresno State has won three straight bowl games, uh, two of them with Jeff Tedford. Um, Wazoo, I just, they had a big win against um, Wisconsin earlier in the year. Cam Ward's been okay. He hasn't thrown a pick of late either. But I just, they're more of a defense first team, and I don't know if they're going to be able to score enough. Like, Fresno beat a good Boise team who was also on a big win streak uh, in the Mountain West title game. I think this is uh fresno should turn out pretty well this should feel like kind of like a home game for fresno uh for this one a little bit but yeah i'm just uh i'm not completely sold on the cougs right now and jake dickard and what they've got going on up there kind of a they're okay they're fine but i think fresno is rolling and this is a 10 win season on the line for the dogs so give me fresno to win and cover have we agreed with every pick so far? This is uh, this is uh, getting a little ridiculous. Oh, hmm. But you know, you gotta you gotta go with what you think. Uh, keeping it moving. The Wait, did we both go tree. Cincy? I mean, we both went Cincy. We both went UAB. We both went Troy. I guess Troy, so. I thought you, for sure you'd go UTSA. Like I couldn't believe you went to UTSA or went Troy. Oh yeah, man. I'm I'm a defense guy. <laughs> you know this. Uh, the Lending Tree Bowl. Mobile, Alabama. This is an easy one. Rice versus Southern Miss. There is one team playing in the postseason this year that has a losing record, and that is the Rice Owls. They got no business being in here. We got how many daggum bowl games, as Bobby Bowden would say. I don't know. How many do we have now? Is it like 50? There's like 48 bowl games or something. I don't know. It's it's getting it's getting out of hand. But I'm going Southern Miss because Rice is just they shouldn't be here in the first place. But it's not Rice's fault. They there weren't enough eligible teams. It is Rice's fault. They should have Hold turned on. it down. You don't belong here, Rice. Can I pivot? Yeah, hit me. Rice deserves whoever's coaching right now. I, I I'm blanking on who the head coach of Rice football is at the moment. He should get a raise. Don't know the Rice is head coach. Come on, man. You're a college football guy. Why is Rice in the FBS, Matt Green? Has Rice ever been good in our lifetime? Like, this is one of the worst FBS schools year over year. It doesn't matter who their coach is. They just are awful. To make a bowl game, when I saw Rice was on the calendar here, I had to do a double take. I don't remember the last time Rice was in a bowl game. Like, what? when was the last Rice bowl game, Matt Green? Mike Bloomgren is their uh, okay. head coach, and they actually do have a respectable history in the uh, in the two thousands. Uh, ten ten and four back in twenty thirteen. Ten. They've only been to thirteen total. Two thousand eight. They made thirteen well, yeah, bowl I mean, they're games. Not, they're not a juggernaut by any means, but yeah, haven't been to first bowl game since twenty fourteen. Man, I yeah, Rice. They've been really bad though. You're right. In recent history, yeah, a lot of a lot of two, one, three lost seasons. Um, they, so here's the, uh, here's something that I think is interesting. Three, one, two, and three win seasons. I meant to say not lost seasons. One and uh, two and three lost seasons are good seasons. <laughs> there you go. To correct uh, myself. Um, Southern Miss is five and one when it allows fewer than uh, 150 rushing yards in this one. Um, I just, 
the Rice offense stinks, and I just don't think they're going to be able to do enough to stop my guy, Will Hall, who's a friend of the program, been on the podcast. He was one of my favorite uh, interviews, uh, a West Georgia guy. He's bounced around, but uh, he wears the full suit and tie on the sidelines, one of the few coaches <laughs> who's rocking that. So shout out uh, to my guy, uh, Will Hall. Um, it's first postseason game for the program since 2019. Um, but they uh, they weren't great. Like they were on a three game losing streak before they beat uh, ULM to get in uh, get into this bowl game. I think this is going to be ugly. I think there are going to be a lot of turnovers on both sides, and it's going to be gross. So give me Southern Miss to win, but I would not be surprised if Rice wins this football game. Matt Green, both are terrible. Both are not deserving of a bowl game here. Yeah, Southern Miss is also they were a respectable program throughout our throughout our uh, adolescent early adult years and mm-hmm. uh, they've been real bad the last decade or so well your guy todd monken ever, ever since todd monken left them that's really when they uh they went downhill where are we going next matt green um keeping it moving where are we going next uh you said southern miss right mm-hmm. so keeping it uh we're still agreeing on all these uh no <laughs> no sponsor here in the Al- in albuquerque just the new mexico bowl um keeping it like soul skaters you know you big brink guy yeah uh, you know they don't they don't need the that that's corporate sponsor team team pup and suds or something is that a, is that what it was in brink that was a sponsor um, though <laughs> smu versus byu in the new mexico bowl this is like a perfect uh i'm talking geography this is like a perfect <laughs> geographical matchup i don't know if you if you looked this one up on google maps no, Dallas and not. Provo are like, I didn't, I didn't actually search the distance. I just kind of eyeballed it, you know, the way the float, the way the crow flies. Uh, Dallas and Provo are like per, equidistant from Albuquerque, so this is a this can be a nice, interesting matchup from that perspective. Um, but I like BYU. I think uh, BYU they're they're trending in the right direction right now. Um, I think this is going to be a really good game. So give me the Cougars. Wow. Here is our first disagreement on the pod, Matt Green. Mm. Jaron Hall will play. It looks like even though he's going to be entering the draft um, for the Cougs. But look, S&P Plus, SMU is 55th, BYU 74th. I mean, BYU has a couple of big wins this season, uh, Boise and Baylor. But look, man, top 10 offense in the country, quietly, led by Tanner Mordecai, 7th uh, in S&P Plus just offensively. Um they're they're good man this is two high profile offenses but smu with tanner mordecai three thousand over three thirty three hundred yards 31 touchdowns like he has been he's been great um they will not have rasheed rice uh who opted out for the nfl um so that will hurt um for smu but man i i'm not betting against this uh red lashley offense with the stanks so give me SMU to win and cover Matt Green. But this will be a fun. I think this is going to be a high-scoring back-and-forth game. Yeah, this is the 123rd-ranked scoring defense in SMU versus the 101st-ranked scoring defense for BYU. Both these teams giving giving up over 30 points a game. So it'll be fun. New Mexico Bowl, 730, Saturday. That should be an entertaining one. Now we have rooting interest, Matt Green. You're going to be going kooks. I'll be going stangs. Be fun. There you go. And our last one of the uh, of this 
section until we uh, get back to our next pod. The Frisco Bowl in mm. Frisco, Texas. Not to be confused with... I thought there was two bowls in Frisco. Now I might be lying. I think there last year... Did Frisco lose a bowl game? Frisco definitely had two. They had the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco <laughs> Bowl last year. That's what I was looking for. Um, so we had last year, we had the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl and the Frisco Football Classic presented by Ryan. Mm. And this year, I guess we just have the Frisco Bowl, unless I'm um, unless I'm missing something here. But yeah, so I guess... I don't know. It doesn't not important. Um, you <laughs> You're really ge- upset about this. You talk geographical advantage, sir. This is the game you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. North Texas is 30 minutes away from Frisco, Texas. This is this game's being played in their backyard. North Texas, the Mean Green, are going to have the home field advantage in this one, and I think that is going to be the difference. What is Boise State? Ten and a half point dog or ten and a half point favorite? North Texas wins this one outright. Give me the mean green. Wow. We are going to disagree again, sir. Seth Luttrell got fired um, after the season. They lost and got blown out 48. What? Uh, was it 48? Where'd it go? 48-27 against UTSA and the COSA title game uh their veteran uh head guy phil bennett will take over for this one um boise state obviously losing hank bachmeyer in the middle of the year didn't turn out to be the end because dirk cutter and company uh got this offense on track and they won um i think it was eight straight uh leading into the mountain west title game and they lose uh to fresno but look man i i don't know North Texas lost five of seven um, in seven of their last eight uh, bowl games. So they've been really, really bad in the bowl season. They've been blown out the last four times they've been in a bowl game. Um, I don't know. I just don't I don't see this being an issue for Boise. I think they're going to be able to score all over this North Texas defense. That's 124th in total defense. Um, they're going to pick this team apart, I think, uh, Boise State wins and covers. Don't go against the Broncos, man. Boise State went uh, at Oregon State this year. Mm-hmm. Lost. That's they, true. Uh, they went at UTEP this year and they uh, they lost big. Mm-hmm. They did beat. They did lose to BYU. That was a home game. But uh, this is gonna be a home game for the North Texas Mean Green. I'm telling you, they're uh, they're not prepared for the atmosphere they're about to come into uh, in Frisco. So. Many people we do did. talk about that that atmosphere in Frisco, and, Texas. I think Boise State's not ready for that. So um, I can't go against the green. The mean green? Come on. That's, that's my squad. So that's what we got to do. So, yeah, we got, what is that, eight matchups? We got nine matchups we got for this uh, this first slate. So it should be good. We will be back uh, to pick the, the next game starting on, uh, starting on the 19th on the next podcast. There you go uh matt green that's all i've got my friend and uh i will talk to you on sunday sir yes sir this has been ingram radio voice of the atlanta braves and i'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the chase thomas podcast as a friend of the podcast i'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one 
To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.